0: she is, Captain. Isn't she a beauty? Yes, she is, Mr. Scott. Is she ready to go? Aye, sir. She's ready to go to the stars. Is the Tri Tech Games podcast. Its mission to seek out new ideas, find new games, and to boldly bring the awesome to your game.
1: Mr. Scott, Warp Nine. I, (laughs) Captain. And now our host.
0: This is Bruce.
1: This is Trav.
0: And that's all, folks. (laughs) John wasn't able to join us because he is off at Dragonflight. Yes. And Josie is off without internet, so it's just the two of us.
1: Still on hiatus for that, yeah.
0: Right. And this is a special episode anyways because this is our Gen Con episode, Gen Con 50. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and, it's, uh, and it is a post-Gen Con episode. I'm not recording it at the actual convention, uh, which is probably a good thing because you'll get a lot better sound quality as a result. Well, yeah. <laughs> because when we were recording it there, even in when we found a room, the, the din from everything around us was still leaking into the recordings. So from the previous years, we've done this. So I went up on... Uh, uh, I, we basically left at what we referred to as dark 30, uh, which, was, uh, which was 5.30 in the morning so we could pick up our son at 6 o'clock at his university and keep going north from Atlanta to uh, uh, and west to Indianapolis, Indiana. And uh, we got there about 3 o'clock in the afternoon, uh, and we went in and... Pretty much uh, got our badges and checked out the place and looked around for where things were. None of the dealers had set up yet. I mean, they were unloading into the exhibition hall. But there was still lots and lots of people there. yesterday. That was Wednesday? Wednesday.
1: Yeah.
0: Right. And there were things going on. I mean, uh, I, I downloaded the unofficial uh, Gen Con app, uh, program app, which had all the stuff in it. From the schedule, and uh, I pretty much used that the entire thing. I, I have the um, the program guide here, but I didn't use it because it was always out of date. I mean, if you wanted to know what was actually available for you to play at, and you hadn't bought a ticket already, then that this thing was completely useless to you. Except maybe to just say, "Hey, there's a big thing doing, and you can go to it." You know, but if you wanted to know about individual game sessions or um, you know who, where various people are going to be at any moment's time. Then uh, this was not the uh, you know this, the program guy was no help to you.
1: Well, I I had heard that one. Of course, they actually put a cap on ticket sales. Gen Con was sold out, and they hadn't done that in previous years. They didn't need to.
0: Well,
1: you didn't. Well, you didn't wa- You couldn't walk in and buy a ticket if you hadn't already bought your ticket they were not selling new tickets during the con.
0: Yeah, they had a sign on all the doors that said, Gen Con is sold out, wear your badge at all times. Yeah. And I saw people being policed on that regard. I saw people being escorted
1: out who were there and they didn't have their badges. Oh, yeah. Well, I think they kind of curbed the numbers because they knew that just this was a big event and it would have gotten too big for them to handle. They would have just been, okay, we've got like 300,000 people here, this isn't cutting it. So I can see why they, you know, made it a finite number.
0: Right, well it's also, they knew that there was a lot of people that were there because it was the 50th anniversary. Right, right. a lot of people were making an effort to come that normally wouldn't be there, and there were a lot of special events that were there because of the event. For example, they did have this really nice display of the um, of the history of Gen Con uh, in, over in uh, what is now uh, the um, Lucas Oil Stadium. Yes. And this is a real stadium, so what they did was the play area, like where they'd be playing basketball or whatever, they turned that into a big gaming area and a, and a big uh, museum area for... Uh, Gen Con. so they had original documents. They uh, the the front door of the old agricultural building that was over at Wisconsin Parkside. They 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 recreated the door and the frame around it and stuff like that. Lots of stuff that was behind glass, um, and they also had um, interviews with uh, Gary Gygax that were playing. It was a it was really a very. Um, uh, you know, classy thing. It was a very classy thing. They had all uh, every you know, they had every year that Gen Con had been, they mentioned this and that and when they got to the point where uh, Gen Con, you know, went over into the hands of uh, uh, Peter Atkins, then they had his announcement uh, of of the fact that uh, there was going to be a three coming out and
1: Ah uh, yes and
0: all all those things that probably were video that people had not seen. Uh, I never saw it.
1: And so uh, there's a
0: lot of stuff like that.
1: Okay. Uh, yes, I had heard that they had actually annexed Luca, Lucas Oil Stadium. For those who don't know, it's where the Indianapolis, the NFL Indianapolis Colts play. And it's a beautiful state. I've never been inside, but the outside is gorgeous, and it is south of the convention center. Uh, Thursday night, there was a concert there. Of the comedy band They Might Be Giants Did you happen to catch that show? Nope, I was doing other things Okay, well Those of you who don't know, They Might Be Giants They do the songs Istanbul Not Constantinople and Particle Man They also, I believe they also Do the theme for the Big Bang Theory I think
0: Well they might have done the theme But uh, the actual theme was written by Bare uh, Naked
1: Ladies Okay, that's who it is, yeah, 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 okay
0: but it doesn't keep them from doing it.
1: <laughs> well, yeah, but I—that I, was my part. I just messed up on that. But yeah, they might be giants. I know of them being a dementia DJ. I've played their music on my show, and I heard that they were going to be down there, and I was just like, oh, you know, I was just like, Ugh. so I know that that concert was Thursday. So, and it was set up in the Lucas Oil Stadium.
0: Right. If you were into concerts, there were plenty of concerts to be had. They had concerts going on constantly out in what was called the Beer Garden, which was actually the um, Maryland Street, uh, right next to the the, uh, the Convention Center, a block out. And they had all the food trucks in there, and they had you know they were giving away free beer and uh, stuff like that. But they also had people playing music out there.
1: Okay, because you usually the only musical thing that I know of from Gen Con. Is the halftime show during the masquerade. Uh, a personal friend of mine. The great Luke Ski. He, he does the halftime show. For the Gen Con masquerade. And I was not sure that he would be there. Because yeah they got. They might be giants. But also Luke now works for Cartoon Network. He's the co-creator of the cartoon. Mighty Magiswords. So there might have been a scheduling conflict. Where he may not have been able to attend this year. Because he's busy at Cartoon Network. So
0: I don't know, Trav, you want to look it up because I was dizzy doing something else. My son, however, went to the costume contest. Oh, okay. And he told and, and he was walking around with a costume on himself. And he was at the costume contest as a not as a contestant, but, but watching it and he said it was yeah. really good.
1: Oh no, that's one of the things I always try to do get pictures of people in costume there for just just, just for SG. Yeah, because Cosplaying has become just such An industry in and of itself That Gen Con is one of the places To be to do that Along with San Diego Comic Con and Dragon Con Well, I
0: would would disagree with you I would say that cosplay has only now Begun to really have a foothold Over at Gen Con I mean, I've watched it happen Over the last two to three years That, you know, the first year There were a couple of groups of them Walking around and Eric got involved with them and was walking around with them
1: too. Well, I remember the one year he was there in like a Borderlands costume when I had first seen him. After that was the
0: first time, and then you know, and and he was handsome Jack one year. Um, and the point though is is that they, they wasn't a big thing. you know they you, you, people were walking there were some people walking around, but it has gotten
1: progressively
0: bigger every single year.
1: Oh no, I've noticed it i've been I went from twenty twelve to twenty fifteen and in those four years, I've noticed the increase. but I mean just cosplay as a hobby is starting to become a seven digit a year industry, and you're starting to actually have celebrities like. Kit Quinn, Tallest Silver, Claire Max. Um, I'm blanking on a couple. I mean, they've even had a couple of like reality TV shows about cosplay on sci fi. So, I mean, cosplay in and of itself is becoming a huge thing. And at Gen Con, that's one of the places if you want to see cosplay, they really. Oh, and I'm oh, God, I am blanking. There were other musical acts actually at Gen Con. Two other friends of mine, um, Celtic music artist Mark Gunn and what is he called? the comedy geek rock god himself, Mikey Mason, were there. I forgot all about those two, yeah. Well, Mark, I always see, and I always, you know, he'll be, you know, and words that I never thought would be fit together rocking the auto harp. And I'll throw a five in his hat because I know he has a daughter with some, you know, heart special need type stuff. So, you know, he's a, am a fellow parent. and I'm a friend of his. So I try home. help him. And Mikey, he always that Gen Con is his thing. Just a lot of his songs are about gaming. And one of them is called Best Game Ever. And it's kind of like his stairway to heaven. About, yeah, we let her we let Gerald's little brother game with us but because their mom told us we had to and he just kept coming up with these annoying characters that they just they found creative ways to kill him off. And so the tagline for this song is never playing with him again. Best game ever. <laughs> so I know Mikey and Mark were there this year because I do. I did remember as we were talking just now. A, oh, yeah, they were there at Gen Con. And they were standing there in the convention center. So, all right. Um Okay, I do have a couple of questions for you about the con generally. And one and one of them has to do with something that you and I had researched a few times in the times that we've been there. Now, I remember the one time, I think it was 2014, you and I took a, a decent walk through the dealer's room. And the theme du jour was zombies. We had a list of, like, what, 26 different things that had to—was there a theme this year just due to— Due to whatever was in pop culture at the time this year
0: I didn't notice one But I can definitely tell you it was not zombies uh, Okay Zombies are definitely on the, 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 the nader, and Which is of course bad news for uh, Mark Ryan uh, Huygen of, of, of Vampire the Masquerade fame Because he just came out with a brand new game and setting Where you play a zombie Oh, okay. And uh, he had a, a little booth uh, there, and uh, and it wasn't any w- more attended than anything else was. Uh, so, but I don't feel bad for him because, after all, for how many years, like how many, at least a decade, he was Lord of the Vampires. So, I mean, <laughs> if he didn't get his ego boost, then I, you know, I guess he's missed out.
1: Yeah. Well. Oh no, I, I'm running a Sunday game where it has elements of World of Darkness and most of my players are fans of that whole milieu, so I've gotten plenty of input on that as of late, so, and then I saw that yeah, Mark Ryan Hagen was putting out something new, so.
0: Okay, what I'm seeing more and more of in the dealer's room is where there you no longer, uh, there, there's less and less pure RPGs and more um, uh, tactical games, card games, or whatever, that uh, are in, uh, trying to capture the essence of a property, a movie, or something else, and with a little bit of RP in it, but you're still following a lot of, of game rules, you know, with, uh, that, in order to do it. There was a new uh, Big Trouble, Little China. Oh, I heard about that, yes. It's it's available in the standard edition. Now it's it's gonna it's not released yet. They were taking pre-orders. Okay. It's available in the standard edition for a hundred dollars. And there's a there's there's a deluxe edition or a you know a collector's edition. And I have no idea how much that one is. But it is massive. I mean, it, it, you you know, you're, for a hundred bucks you're getting a lot of cardboard.
1: Well, yeah. Well, I mean, Big Trouble, Big Trouble in Little China. I mean, it technically was a flop movie, but it's like one of the big cult classic movies, and just it came
0: out last year as purely a card game from Upper Deck. Yeah, and that, and they had the Pork Chop Express there, you know, and a whole <laughs> bunch of, you know, in the dealer's room. <laughs> and, uh, and, and wrapped around it, they were playing these various games. It was, they were playing Big Trouble with China and a few others of their um, of their card games. But this was this one guy, and I mean this one area, and it was, that's what they were selling. And it was very impressive. They, you're you're basically, as in the movie, you're moving around various locations, and they probably all have you know, like uh, success points or something like that. If you, if you do, do what you're supposed to do in each of these locations at the end, you're going to be able to confront and have a chance of defeating Lopan. Uh, so it looked good. Uh, I mean, I was very impressed with it. I'm not sure I was $100 impressed with it. But, you know, ah. I keep telling my family, you know, you guys have nothing to buy me anymore. I mean, don't I really have everything I could possibly need? But I would like this game. So. <laughs> now, of course, I've been telling them also that if you buy me games, you have to be willing to sit down and play them with me. Because I've got well, some games from last year that I've never played because they're still the shrink wrap because nobody's playing them with me. I oh, don't ooh. want that. Uh, I know that Pathfinder came out with their new science fiction version of Pathfinder.
1: Starfinder yes I got the PDF. Yeah let you yeah. out.
0: I never got a chance to play that but um, I I wanted to and and it looks pretty much like you know it', it it's, I, they're taking it a lot more seriously than uh, than like say um, spelljammer Yeah yeah. I think they're taking it very seriously. They're just again, they're, it's basically like all the different games that came out for D20. Of course, this is Pathfinder, which is three three point five. You know, and uh, they're leveraging their property to do science fiction.
1: Well, the thing the thing is with 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 Starfinder is that they've been I mean they've been hyping it up for like oh god the past year and a half no about a year they I remember seeing it I see it all last year. The the premise behind it is that it's like three to 4,000 years after the current Pathfinder Galarian setting. Galarian is gone. Something happened temporally where it, it, the planet is out of its orbit. In its place is a giant space station. And the rest of the system, they're all like in what is known as the Pact. It's kind of an accord. And so you get to go around the system and... There's humans, the androids that they've already said in like five or six other races. And from my preliminary look at the PDF, I got it Friday from Paizo. It looks good. I mean, the guy who is running it, Owen Casey Stevens, worked on Star Wars D20 and he also runs Rogue Genius Games. So this is not a lightweight in the gaming industry. This is somebody who's been doing this for a long time. And so he... He made some nice changes for the setting. It was needed. It's still Pathfinder OGL, but there's some mechanics, new mechanics that he brought out from what I, you know, I've just given it a very cursory look, but it looks good. The changes were needed. I mean, I still got to read it a lot more because it came out this weekend and it was from the Paizo site. The zip file was 146 megabytes. It took two plus hours to download And the download stopped twice And I had to start it up again So that's because Paizo's site was just so busy I mean, their customer service Thursday and Friday they just said, we're closed
0: Yeah, that, that, was, that was pretty much Like the whole connectivity at Gen Con You go in there, you've got like Five bars, okay No bandwidth, just five bars And you have lots of connectivity <laughs> Doesn't do you a bit of good
1: Well, the whole the whole thing with Paizo, I even read that, yes, we're going to have our normal Paizo booth in the dealer's room and separately far away. We're having the Starfinder stuff because I've been in the Paizo line. It wraps outside and around. If you want to get into the Paizo enclosure in the dealer's room, you're going to be spending time in line. That was a smart move on Paizo's part, moving the Starfinder stuff separately, I think, into another room elsewhere in the con center.
0: Yeah, because there were no lines like that in the dealer's room I mean, there were some lines, but they were more than 30 feet long
1: Okay, because usually Piso, when I get there When I would get there and I, you know, make my cursory run through there To see, oh, what's coming home with Trav this year Right I'm in the line and it's like outside around the corner down the way. I'm past a food booth, you know. I'm, I'm waiting in the line 15 20 minutes to get in,
0: right? You're exactly right, and I think that's what they did. I think they basically had like maybe a dozen fulfillment stations that could hand you know, all you know, in different places. I mean, they had a whole ballroom like on the uh, second floor of, um, of, of the JW Marriott. Uh, see, that's where most of it was happening, and they probably had just all these different, you know, fulfillment stations to buy these stuff. So they didn't have to do it inside the dealer's room at all.
1: Yeah, okay. Oh, wow. Um, let's see. Yeah, because, as, as I said, I knew it was coming out. I knew that that was going to be the big thing, or at least one of the big things at Gen Con. The fact that Starfinder was coming out for Gen Con 50, and that Paizo would have to make special considerations to get this product out the door, because if not, there would have just been massive gridlock.
0: And that's something that I saw happening is I've been seeing it happening for years, but it really was true this year, which was is that the pure RPGs seem to have been entirely moved out to the JW Marriott. Oh, okay. I mean, I was looking at the schedule. You know, I mean, because I'm like, you know. Sh- I, I tend to just basically take whatever is available in my time slot, and every time, and almost every time I looked, it was like JW Marriott, JW Marriott, because I'm looking for RP. I'm looking under the things under the RPG moniker. Okay, now, D, you know, like um, the D and D stuff was they had their own hall in the ICC. Of course, it's wizards. Okay, yeah. but the, but mostly the the that place was seemed to be held out primarily. For things like um, you know the other kinds of gaming, board gaming, card gaming, miniature gaming, it wasn't RPGs. So that's been kind of relegated out to the JW Marriott. Okay. And I'm not surprised because really, you know, RPGing as a pure as a pure thing that we like to think about is a minority now.
1: Yeah. Oh, no, I I I spent my time, you know, the times I've been to Gen Con with Habibi, and I'm seeing just what a madhouse it is there for the card gaming, just for Magic alone. Not all the other games, just for Magic the Gathering. And I mean, and you know Habibi spent a lot of time there. I mean, 2015, she won second place in, a, in one of the national tournaments there. So, I mean, she put her time in. So, yeah, I'm seeing that they would have to relegate role-playing games elsewhere in the Gen Con hotel circuit to accommodate the fact that all these other forms of gaming are now coming much more into their own.
0: And and I agree with you. Um, but there was I think what was interesting is, is that Gen Con is also it's taken them 50 years but they have slowly become a truly full-fledged convention. I mean, there was a time when they were doing, they were adding more stuff in. They had main programming or whatever, and it was still, you know, it was still the sort of thing that you kind of relegated to maybe your kids who weren't that interested in role playing, or your spouses, or if you had some hanger-ons that were they were not there for the 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 hardcore gaming that you came for, but they came along with you. That was for them. Uh, My wife went to a lot of the. uh, crafting track, what they used to refer to as the ball and hammer, like ball and chain. Ball and chain. Thank you. The ball and chain track. Okay. Now then, they renamed it to be the uh, uh, companion track, and now they just call it crafting. Well, <laughs> okay. oh, yeah. And she did some great stuff there. She did some, you know, some amazing stuff. People came in with some real skill and some real talent, and and showed people how to do stuff that you know we, She brought home and it's really great stuff. And expensive, too, because some of them went for, like, 50 bucks a session.
1: Oh, no, I I would—well, I mean, crafting—oh, God. uh, The second wife I had, Tina, was what we call the ADD crafter. I saw the number of hobbies she—I mean, she'd always go back to cross-stitching, but, I mean, she got into polymer clay and candle-making. Yeah, some of these crafts— can be rather expensive to get into so
0: right well she was doing the etched glass and that required very special chemicals to do that and uh very and a lot of safety
1: (laughs) oh no my my the 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 gamer i mentioned carrie her art business is making stained glass she just made a window for a local hospital so no i know that when you work with glass you you some of these chemicals can be right, downright dangerous if you don't handle them properly. And I'm surprised they did something like that, at Gen Con, considering the <clears throat> possible liability.
0: <clears throat> well, again, they, did, they were careful with it. And frankly, everybody who was in those classes were all over the age of 40.
1: Yeah, well, still, I mean...
0: You know, it wasn't. I, they might have had limitations like 18 plus to be in the class or something. I don't know. And, and, and frankly, I don't think too many people, too many under 18 would have been interested in doing something like etching glass, but you, know, you never know. Uh, but, the, uh, but she did that, um, and uh, uh, you know, there, was, there was a music track, there was a full-blown film festival uh, that I went to on Friday. Um, I, I, I didn't get to see as much as I wanted to because they were running up against each other. Uh, they had a bunch of people that were doing stand-up in a room, followed by uh, some uh, uh, some comedy uh, shorts, and then after that, I saw the movie, which was called uh, the uh, Legend of the Lich Lord, which was produced by uh, One Hit Die, the, the One Hit Die people. Okay. And uh, they basically got that, you know, um, it was paid for by either Canada. I think it was Canada. Canada basically gave them a big grant. And they said, "Oh, we'll make a real movie," and they did. And it, so it was a pretty darn good movie, uh, and the, and and that was that was great to see. Uh, and I enjoyed that very much. Uh, Beth came with me, my wife, and uh, you know my son was off doing his thing. So I didn't always play games. <laughs> Mostly I played games, but not every single time because you know that particular time I said, "Let me try something a little different. Maybe get to see the wifer once in forty-eight hours."
1: <laughs>
0: and um so we did that you know and uh of course when we were done you know we're like trying to get our kid and he's like you know oh, i'm busy doing this and so, <laughs> so scheduling was always hard but uh we did that and i'll say if you wanted to go to gen con and only look at film you could have done it uh they had uh, oh, documentaries about dr- uh, about uh not only uh, about D&D and other things like that, but also about other areas like uh, military science and um, uh, co- uh, various strategies and stuff so you for, you can use for your miniature battles.
1: Yeah, wargaming, yeah. But yeah. I mean,
0: they also talked about real strategy, okay, you know, because war, uh, uh, miniature battles at its core, is supposed to recreate the actual, you know, you know, reality of, of, of combat. It was originally designed as a means of teaching officers how to be good officers and good strategists without having to put them in danger.
1: Yeah, tactical training. Yeah,
0: learning good tactics is important, and so they had like documentaries on that. Uh, they 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 had you know they had science documentaries. They had all kinds of stuff going on. So there was there, there was lots of stuff for you to for you to watch if that's what you wanted to do. Now, what surprised me more than anything else was, I think, the anime track was the smallest I've ever seen it. Uh, they only, I think they only had one, maybe two, at the most two uh, rooms where they were actually showing anime. Uh, but they had a pretty good uh, track of, of people talking about stuff. Like, I went to the one on um, the history of magical girls. And they, okay. they had some, some radical ideas about them. Not once did they mention Cutie Honey. And I was like, how could you talk about Magic Girls and not talk about Cutie Honey? But you know, there were some other ones that they liked. That They said, no, people don't consider these magical girls, but we do. And uh, that was the ones where they were like adults. There was you know, uh, one group that was all adults. And they said, just because they're not, they're not teenagers doesn't make them not a magical girl so it was it was interesting to see. and uh, not it, it, it does, they don't have the tracks scheduled the Dragon con has and some of these other conventions have, but they were doing their very best. And I spent some real quality time in their um, manga reading room and uh, reading some uh, fun stuff in there. So it was still good.
1: Oh, no, I noticed over the year the four years that I'd gone that you know I'd see, A decent amount for their film track, so... And I didn't really break it down in my head as far as, oh, there's this, and then... I would just see there's like four or five pages, and they just had movies. I mean, yeah, there was some anime, and then there was some live-action stuff. So, apparently, they really upped the bar for... and expanded the gamut of subjects.
0: Right. And this may be because of the 50th anniversary. We'll have to
1: see what it's like next year. Yeah. Okay, let me see. What else I... Um... Okay, well, ask a. Well, there's one question that I want to talk about, and it was about uh, a, a downside I heard about. But let this the general atmosphere of this convention. And yes, because it was the 50th anniversary of this event, we know you had to figure if you know anything about Gen Con, it being the 50th anniversary, you know that there was just a buzz. There, was there a buzz about the place? You got there and you could just feel. Oh, this place is on.
0: Yeah, 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 and I would say that overall, people were very positive. I have never seen people standing in long lines in in better moods in my life. <laughs> because even though they weren't selling any tickets, people were a lot of people there for will call. Now we, that's one of the reasons we went on Wednesday because then we didn't have to wait very long to get our badges. But I know some people showing up on Saturday and on Friday, they must have waited
1: a long time to... Oh, no, I've I've done my time in Will Call. Yeah, Habibi and I have done our time in Will Call. Yeah,
0: but everybody seemed to be in good good spirits.
1: They were there to have fun. And as the con went on, it was still just...
0: I mean, you know, it, it, it seemed pretty... I mean, I was, you know, I mean, Sunday is always the worst day in the sense that there's lots of people packing up to leave because they live so far away and they're traveling, you know. But even so, I would say that you know, the dealer's room was chock full and um, I didn't try to run any games because, like I said, I got up at, we, we got up at like, you know, 8, 7 so we could get checked out. And we could, and I could spend a couple hours in the dealer room, so we could come home because I had to get my kid back to school. So we left at noon, uh, and uh, that was. Uh, but even so, I mean, uh, there were people still running games. There was still lots of stuff to do, uh, and everybody, you know, seemed to be really sorry to have to leave.
1: Well, cons that that microcosm that is a con. And you and I have both been to enough cons over well, I mean I've been going to cons for let's see, I started going to eighty-eight was like my first convention. So, you know, two, three decades or more, we've been to our fair range of gamuts of types of cons. Because I know there's one down in Atlanta was a TimeGate, I think you called it.
0: It's now called Hulanta, yes.
1: Okay. But I mean, and they're like niche cons. And even then, it's a microcosm. If you're at a con, there, are, depending on the type of con, there are times you don't leave the hotel for the entire 48 to 60 hours because you got food there. You got everything you need. You don't even need to go out. So it's like a microcosm. And for those of you who haven't been to cons but you're listening to this, there is a condition, an unofficial term is con drop, where you realize I have to go back to the mundane world. And for about a day or so, you're in a bit of a funk because you got so used to being in that con atmosphere with many people. If it's a smaller con, they're like family. You know, your, your local fandom group. You know, f- for me, Metro Detroit, for Bruce, Atlanta. And you get to, with these people, and you only get to see them maybe three or four times a year, and then you got to go, all go home, and you go back to work, and you're just kind of, eh. I'm sure that the con, I, I mean, I'm seeing this in posts. From not only industry people like Owen Casey Stevens, Michelle Lyons McFarland, our former guest many years ago, Jess Hartley. Yeah, they were all having a bit of con drop after this just because it was a big to do and they had to go back to real life.
0: Yeah, I took Monday off, so I, <laughs> I figured that, yeah. Well, I mean, I, I have a lot of vacation to take, so I said, I'm just going to take a whole week. Yeah. And, and then when I went back to work yesterday, I had 58 uh, new new things to do. <laughs> I was like, holy cow, didn't anybody do any work while I was gone?
1: So, yeah. Oh, uh, Okay. Now that we have talked about the high-end atmosphere of Gen Con... Uh, I have had some friends that have gone to Gen Con and they reported that I'm going to try to put this as, as delicately as possible There were more than a few incidents not only from just friends of mine that went to Gen Con but industry people noticing this at Gen Con There's a lot of negative stereotypes about gamers, especially tabletop role players. And it seems that, that many of those negative stereotypes, from what I was reading, was in full effect this year. And it a lot of it is
0: <clears throat>
1: let me use the term <clears throat> buttholery and elitism and just generally some very sour attitudes. And again, I'll bet because it was there, he put it public. Owen Casey Stevens, the head of the Starfinder project group, was even saying he noticed this, sitting at the tables, these attitudes. And a lot of other friends of mine who went to Gen Con, they're saying, yeah, the buttholery was out in full force this year. Now, you were at games. Did you notice any just... Unsportsmanlike conduct at the tables. Let's say,
0: no, I, I really don't. Um, all the games that I re- I played in, everybody was uh, very nice to each other, and nobody seemed to be having big issues in the tables around. Now, like I said, I, we were doing RPGs, so you know that's a very social situation. Now, maybe in some of the more competitive environments, like the video gaming or the card gaming or some of the more, you know, um, in-your-face... Um,
1: oh, yeah, you're going to get smacked,
0: talk, yeah. I mean, maybe there was more of that there, but I didn't see it at all. So, I, as a matter of fact, I was very surprised when you brought it up before we started recording. So, whatever, you know, so I'm not saying that what your friend said is wrong. I'm just saying I, it was You wasn't didn't my see it, experience. okay.
1: All right. Yeah. Well, you also got to remember, there's, at, at Gen Con, I mean, the attendance has gone up just in the four years that I've been going. As I said, from uh, 2012, 13, 14, and 15. And it went from like 87,000 to like 150,000 in that time. And you know, Gen Con this year probably had more. So, I mean, over 150,000 extra people in downtown Indianapolis. You're going to have that many people in the middle of August... And I and and Bruce and I both walked through downtown Indianapolis in August. It's not exactly the most comfortable, you know. So you're having a bunch of hot sweaty people at a at a convention that covers this entire city. You're going to have you know some gruffness from time to time.
0: And there's some and there is some funk occasionally.
1: Well, yeah, the the gamer funk. My buddy Rob Balder did a song about that, um, but. And um, he runs the Earthworld booth. He now does the webcomic Earthworld exclusively. But and I got and was bummed out that I didn't get to go this year because I get to see him again and his uh, fiance, Linda. But it just I heard all these reports. And I mean, during the con, people were posting that just people were just kind of really crass. And especially if there were there were some very sexist overtones. And just, I'm like, really, people? This is the 21st century. This is a big occasion here for Gen Con. Don't ruin it by being idiots. And I'm just, and I'm seeing more and more posts. And then I'm seeing the industry people saying, we're noticing this at the tables. And that's why I asked about this. Just if you would run across any of it at all, or if Eric, because I know he'll play in a few games, if he may have caught some of it, Oh, you know, Dad, this guy was being a real jerk at the table. You know, I was just wondering.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, that that's going to happen. I mean, there are and some people come and start drinking and come to the tables. So you know, um, it's still. Uh, I mean, I, I hear all these things about this, how women are a larger part of gaming and stuff like that. It's still a, uh, a as far as I can tell at Gen Con, more guys, a lot more guys than women.
1: Oh, no, but I've, I've noticed the number climb up in the time that I've been there. I noticed when I would run games, I'd have at least a third to half of the people at each of the tables I ran games at were women.
0: I, it's still always a, a minority for me. I usually, I'm lucky to get two out of six.
1: Yes, tabletop role-playing is still a male-dominated hobby, but that domination is disappearing year by year. And uh, something you brought up earlier about the, the crafting track and the name that they had and then they changed it. One of the other things about Gen Con is, oh, if you're a girl, most likely you're here with your boyfriend and just tagging along. No, women are starting to get more and more involved and not just in the cosplay. As I said, my best friend Habibi tears up the magic room when she's there. Like I said, 2015, she actually won second place in one of the national tournaments. So, I mean, she's just not there because she's there with me or her best friend. No, she gets down and dirty at that table.
0: Yeah, I didn't see anybody you know, in saying that, and I certainly didn't see that in on the table. Everybody who came to the table in, in my games, um, you know, at least intended to play. And uh, the women... I didn't see uh, seem to be just as, as skillful as playing as the guys were, and uh, the, the, those issues didn't seem to come up. Now most of my games tend to be a little bit more goal oriented, you know, so there wasn't a whole lot of, of discussion uh, as far as you know like interplay. Though I did play use um, Stephen Woollett's uh, drama deck, so there was. couple people had some romance cards uh, in their their cards that they could have played and I said I said well you know especially one when they were playing the they're all dead three New York City says you probably can't really play those cards uh, that particular card on the zombie but you can play it on another player and there may be some survivors so you know I'm not saying don't do it I'm just saying that uh, you know your choices are fairly limited in a world filled with zombies
1: yeah, because I mean, in my own personal gaming groups, I think most of my gaming groups are at least half are women. Because let's see, Perky Goth, Colleen, Josie, Maddie, Tracy, Carrie. And I mean, a lot of them are in more than one group. So, I mean, my groups are anywhere from like four to six people. And yeah, half of the gamers in my four groups that I run are women. So, yeah, I mean, it, it's, I don't have an issue personally with, and, I, and I've even had, you know, like people, you know, my my then 15-year-old nephew and then people approaching 50. So, I mean, I have a wide, in my personal gaming groups, I've got a wide range of age, gender, you know, just, All that, and it brings a lot more to the table. As as I said, I just asked it because of everything I was reading, and as soon as, you know, you wanted to do this interview, I'm like, okay, I want to bring this up to see if you had seen any of it. You haven't, everything was cool on that. Okay, all right.
0: And I'm glad I didn't, because, you know, that would have been a bummer.
1: Oh, yeah, I mean, I, I think if we're running games at Gen Con, and I mean, if somebody is disrupting a game that bad... Since we're the ones, you know, have to turn in the ticket. Once you turn in the ticket, you're committed. But if you do something where you really screw up and the game has just been, I think we have the right to just say, you're gone. You're disrupting this game. You're getting on other players' nerves. I think we have that right if, like, you or I run a game at Gen Con and somebody at the table is just being a jerk. I think we have that right, and if they go, like, talking to somebody, you know, like, oh, this person kicked me out of this game and this and that, we'll tell, you know, I think we'd have the right to tell them, uh, no, they were disrupting the game in a major way. They were offending other people that were doing this, and I asked them to leave. So, I'm, I, I'm just glad that that didn't happen with you and your various adventures. Okay.
0: Well, except for the one that crashed and burned. This is Bruce Sheffer saying there are a million million worlds out there so go explore them. This is John Ryer saying keep your powder dry and keep those
1: cards and letters coming in.
0: This is Richard Tahoka wait till you see what's coming next.
1: And this is Trav there's a reason why it's called gaming it's for having fun. Yo brothers, this was the TriTech Games podcast. You know the drill. It's protected under the Creative Commons License 3.0. No commercial reproduction, no derivatives, and sucka, you best attribute this to the folks at TriTech Games. And if you don't, we'll be having your sorry butts, because we're some bad mothers.